The secret that we share must never become public. You may continue your career for 10 years, 10 years of perfect, unchanged beauty, but at the end of that time, before people become suspicious, you have to disappear from public view forever. You can retire, you can stage your own phony death, or, as one of my clients simply said, I want to be alone. <gasps> no, she's not. Wow. Bottoms up. going to be together a long time. Be good to it. Siempre viva. Live forever. to So What's the Problem, in which we rewatch a movie from our youth to determine if it's problematic by today's standards. I'm Jen. And I'm Jimmy. Today we'll be talking about Death Becomes Her, which was released in the US on the 13th of July 1982, in Ireland on the 4th of December 1992, and for some reason in the UK on the 1st of November 1993. Hmm. Don't know why. It was written by Martin Donovan and David Kep and directed by Robert Zemeckis. It stars Goldie Hawn, who gets top villain, which is nice. Um, Bruce Willis, Meryl Streep, Isabella Rossellini, Ian Ogilvy, but not Tracy Ullman. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Jimmy and I have each thought of three problems the movie has and uh, one positive, and we will discuss them. Yeah. I couldn't really think of many. <laughs> yeah, it was it was hard. And some of the problems I came up with were unfair to the t- because of the times. But yeah. Um, I, yeah. This is what we call in the biz as a bad pick, Jen, because this is actually a really quite solid, good movie. <laughs> I hadn't seen it in a while. I wasn't. That's the thing is like picking the movies. Sometimes I'm like, maybe I should watch it first to see if there are problems. And it's like, but I want my first reaction. Like I want. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, it's fine. It's fine. We've still got stuff to talk about. Uh, so, what's your history with the movie then? Um, I had to check with my mom yesterday. I asked her, you know, if we saw it in the theater and she said yes. So mm. I saw this one in the theater. I was 10. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird to think about the movies that I went to see with my mom in the theater when I was 10. And like my kid is still seeing pretty kid movie. I mean, like Marvel movies and stuff, but it's still yeah. it's I guess there really aren't a lot of movies like this. No, not at all. Like, in the 90s, there were a lot of like just comedies that like PG 13 comedies mm-hmm. and dramas and stuff. And now it's, and I love an R rated comedy, but now the good comedies are rated R and I can't mm-hmm. really take my kids to see them. But yeah, we saw it in the theater and I loved it. And I, it was one of those movies I had on VHS that I watched over and over and over again. And I've probably talked about this before on the podcast and I'm sure I will again, but it's one of those movies where 
I think I've seen it maybe once or twice in my adult life. Like I haven't mm-hmm. seen it a lot as an adult, but I saw it a lot when I was um, younger, when I was like a teen. And so when I'm watching it, you know, my memory sucks. I'm kind of forgetting some of the things that happen, mm-hmm. but I'm also knowing exactly what people are going to say and the exact delivery they're going to use as it goes. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, I know the movie so well. There's like this part of my brain that knows it so well, but I, I also just don't remember anything. So it was weird. It was weird to be like, what's going to happen next? And then be like, well, Meryl Streep's going to say this exactly this way. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I do love it. And it's... um. Apparently it's a it's an iconic gay film. Yeah, read that. Yeah, it's well, I think one of the reasons I thought of it is cuz I listened to a podcast called Keep It. And um the two men who hosted are both gay and they're both like they they reference a lot of movies from when they were young too. So they'll like uh, I remember one time they were talking about Martin Short and how great he is and I was like, yeah, but nobody mentions Get Over It. And then the first thing they mentioned was Get Over It. <laughs> because <laughs> that was their generation yeah. um so they bring up death becomes her a lot and so i think it was kind of on my mind because of that uh what's your history i i watched it on vhs when it first came out i remember seeing trailers for it a lot and like in other videos mm-hmm. um and it was the original trailer so it was the one that had goldie Hawn saying ernest ernest is dead everybody's dead yeah, I was going to ask if you watched that uh, before recording, because I watched it this morning. Yeah, yeah, that's a trailer I remember, because I specifically, vividly remember that line. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I just like the idea of it, but... Uh, so I watched it in VHS, and I wasn't a fan of this movie. I, I don't know what it was, it's just back then, I, I probably just didn't get it. It was mm-hmm. probably just too, sort of dark and deep for me <laughs> at that time um but i mean i have seen it quite a lot like on tv i've been i would catch glimpses of it when it's on tv but edited but catch mm-hmm. glimpses of it um and I, I really wanted to watch the full thing again and it's on netflix in the uk so that's good it's on there now uh so i watched it and i actually really like this movie I, I didn't think i would after my childhood experience of watching it but i like it now yeah well it's one of those movies that also changes as you get older because i <laughs> made a note about this hold on i have to unlock my phone um when um madeline is fighting with Ernest before he pushes her down the stairs mm-hmm. she keeps saying he's flaccid like yeah. she keeps saying the word flaccid and i was sitting there watching it and i'm like when i was a kid i had no idea what that meant yeah i did it like she said he was dead below the waist like when i was a kid i i might have had a vague probably not when i was 10 but like within a couple of years i probably was like had a vague idea of what that mm-hmm. meant but like i didn't i'm watching it and i'm like this is probably only the second time in my life i've watched this and understood what that meant yeah oh i laughed at these jokes but i didn't get them because i was seven or whatever yeah well i would have been oh if it was 94 when i saw it i would have been 16 17 maybe <laughs> well, even like when I was like 13, 14, there were a lot of things I didn't get. Um, well, there's lots of things I just like, didn't. Yeah. When I watched Heather's, um, which I did the first few times I saw it was censored. It was on TV. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't understand any blowjob jokes. I didn't understand at one point um, she said something about keggers with kids. I didn't know what a kegger was. Yeah. Like, I don't think I knew what a kager was till I was, like, in college, maybe. I don't know. Like, I hadn't heard that word, so I had no idea what she was talking about. 
Like yeah. just things like that where, you know, later you're like, what, what, what did I like? What was I thinking when I sat there? Was I like, I'm just going to ignore that I don't get this reference? Was I yeah. wondering? Did I want to ask someone? Uh, let us get into the problems. I've, we have managed to find free. And what is your problem? First problem, Jen. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and combine two because they kind of aren't fair. So I'm going to do them together. Okay. Um, one is Helen's fat suit at the beginning. Yeah. And the other one is some of the effects, like especially when Meryl Streep's head is on backwards. Mm-hmm. Now, I know this won an Academy Award for effects. The effects in this movie are excellent. I remember being blown away when I was a kid. Unfortunately, things have changed and we just... I mean, the fat suit could be worse. I've seen much worse from, from even later than that. But like, yeah. our effects and everything have gotten so much better and, and makeup has gotten so much better that uh, it kind of it takes you out for a minute. Because you're you're so used to what they can do now. Well, watching it on Netflix in HD, I noticed a lot of imperfections. There's a lot of like the old age makeup, sort mm. of old age makeup. They're using Bruce Willis. You can see a lot of it, like in his forehead. You can see like mm. glue parts and stuff like that that really shouldn't be seen. Um, and the scene that you mentioned where Meryl Streep's head is round the wrong way looks atrocious in HD. Yeah, it looks really bad. But I think it's just because it's in HD. I think if you watch this mm-hmm. maybe on a VHS tape. Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe. That's a good point. That's a good point. It would still look great. I mean, um, the effects in this, a lot of them still hold up. Yeah, it's... I remember as a kid, like, being like, I don't even understand how this movie is made. Like, yeah. I remember thinking, especially the hole in Helen's stomach. Mm. Um, That's fantastic. I mean, it, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm not complaining about it. As a movie, as it was made, I'm complaining about it as watching it now. Like, if I were somebody watching it for the first time now, mm-hmm. it wouldn't look so great, you know? Like, yeah. if, if you if, if I showed it to my kid and he didn't know when it was made, you know, he'd be like, yeah. well, that looks kind of weird. Yeah. But, you know, uh, problems by today's standards. And today's mm-hmm. standards as, you know, we, yeah. we see better um, effects. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do want to say, I forgot to mention it when we were talking about our histories. This is my first Bruce Willis movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it might have also been my first Meryl Streep movie. There's a chance I maybe saw She-Devil before this. But right. It's it's funny to me that this was the first movie I saw Bruce Willis and Meryl Streep in. Like, people watched this movie. I read a whole article about how somebody thought, um, it was by somebody who thought that this was Bruce Willis's best performance. Mm-hmm. And um, part of that was how different it was from what he was known for. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny to me when you're introduced to an actor in a different role than everybody else is used to. Like, he's to other people watching this, he's an action star. And this is weird. To yeah. me, he was the guy from Death Becomes Her. Like, this this was what I thought yeah. of Bruce Willis. It, he was the guy from Moonlighting for me. I watched Moonlighting mm-hmm. before I saw Die Hard. I've still never seen Moonlighting. Yeah, so he. I said moonlighting like you. Yeah, not the G at the end. Moonlighting. Moonlighting. Um, No, I I always knew him as a comedy guy. I mean, like Die Hard was a big shock for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) first. I first saw it. One of the biggest examples for me with that is uh, Kristen Ritter, because I first saw her on Veronica Mars, and she was really funny on Veronica Mars. Um, And it it. It wasn't until um, Don't Trust the Bitch in Apartment 23 that I realized most people knew her from Breaking Bad. All right, yeah. Like, I, I just kind of assumed, I was like, well, she was on Veronica Mars, she was on Gilmore Girls. Like, of course you would know her from that. But no, mm-hmm. they knew her from Breaking Bad, which was an incredibly different 
not funny role. Yeah. Um, and that's that's always, like, I feel like I get to know a lot of these actors from weird things, especially when I was a kid, because I didn't watch the same things other kids did. Like, I'm sure my husband knew Bruce Willis from Die Hard before he saw yeah. this. But I didn't even know what Die Hard was, so <laughs> I wouldn't have known. But, um, yeah, Meryl Streep and Bruce Willis, this is my introduction to them. Yeah, I think it may have been my introduction to Meryl Streep. I'm not 100% sure. I don't think I watched any of her movies up until this point. So I think I, I still haven't seen many of her movies before. Yeah. This. I mean, I knew she was in certain things, mm-hmm. but I never watched them because they were dramas and I never watched dramas. Yeah, I was all about Goldie Hawn. That was that was the big draw for me, was seeing Goldie yeah. Hawn. And the other movie, which we will do at some point, the other movie that came out this year that she did was House Sitter. And so that's right. a big year for me because House Sitter is one of my favorites. Okay. And I do think I have problems with it. Just warning. <laughs> okay, or reassuring. We'll I don't know. Because um, I do want to watch it at some point. But anyway, yeah. what's your sec- What's your first problem? First problem is um, depression leading to obesity is treated as a joke. It's that <laughs> thing I've complained about before where like, you know, they'll have like fat people eating all the time or whatever. Yeah. She's eating icing out of the can. I like know. one... That's just some gross fat jokes I don't like. And two, honestly, if all she was eating was icing, wouldn't she be bigger? Yeah, you think. I mean, and when I see a can of icing, I think of this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I still do. I still do when I see a can of icing. And the the cats, all the cats in Helen's apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, If you've got a bunch of cats and they're all making noise at the same time, there's something wrong with those cats. I would assume that they haven't been fed, because I have three cats. Yes. And if they're all sitting around meowing at the same time, it's because they're hungry. they want to eat. Yeah. So I'm I'm guessing she's not taking care of these cats very well. Yeah. Well, that's that's another problem. <laughs> Bad <laughs> Helen. I wonder what happened to all those cats when she get. I hope they'll get taken care of. Well, it helps that the whole thing's fictional. It does. It does. But not that I don't not that I didn't think about the exact same thing. <laughs> it does help that it's fictional. And all those cats went home at the end of the day and mm-hmm. got treated like kings and queens. Mm-hmm. So that was my first problem. I just didn't I just thought that was a bit I mean I knew it was coming. I remembered I remembered the fact that uh, I'd seen that scene earlier in the year when it was on TV, and I remember watching it. It was up at my sister's. It was on TV, just clicked it on, watched that part, and then I was just like, nah, I don't I don't like that. It's like, she, she's clearly depressed, and she's clearly, um, she's starting to go insane as well, which is not mm-hmm. nice. And then she has mental issues, and she's also, you know, fat. And it's like, nah, she, you, didn't need, you didn't need to do that. But, you know... I still like the movie, so what are you going to do? I'm going to sort of defend it and not defend it. Like, I'm not saying this is right, but then I also know that it's one of the only options. When you're trying to show um, how badly somebody's doing physically, Mm -hmm. especially in a movie like this where it's like they go from, you know, being unattractive to being attractive, that is one of the easier things to do. Like, I guess you could give her a bunch of, like, issues that, you could use plastic surgery for something. There's not, there's not a ton that's good for visually representing. I, I mean, I guess they could, they could make her look worse. Like, I don't know. I feel like there are more creative ways to do it now, but I could see how their mind would just go 
yeah to, to that um but mm-hmm. then i'm looking at myself and i'm thinking about the fact that like my face is like pasty white right now like it's clear i have just woken up mm-hmm. and i feel like i look like shit but later when i have makeup on and my hair's done it's very different so and yeah. my weight's not going to change between now and then Mm-hmm. So now that now I'm talking myself out of believing that that was a good idea and I'm like, no, they could make her look like shit and have her look better later. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mess up but, the hair, frumpy clothes, yeah. just, you know, she's basically just sitting in the chair anyway. And, and I mean, she did have frumpy clothes like that. That helps. Yeah, that she but just, she was also wearing a fat suit. Yeah, yeah. And it's um, I wouldn't even mind like a more subtle fat suit, like maybe mm-hmm. not as bad, but just like. That, you know, I don't know. It's, 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 I don't like fat jokes and I don't like when they just use, um, weight to show yeah. whether or not someone's doing well. Yeah. But I also do understand it's really hard otherwise. I don't think you need, she needed to be fat. She could have just have been, you know, unkempt and just didn't yeah. take care of herself. And I mean, her, her apartment's a mess and she's kicking boxes about and stuff. Like that. You know that mm. she's not in a great space mm-hmm. just by that she didn't have to be wearing a fat suit she didn't need to be big yeah. that was just kind of off-putting for me but it's not yeah, long. it doesn't true. last long in a movie it's fine yeah you know and it i will say like any fat jokes madeline makes um i don't have a problem with because woman's a bitch and she's mm-hmm. vain mm-hmm. and it just makes sense with the character so that absolutely that didn't bother me um, yeah because of course she would yeah if someone is um, shown as being that kind of person then mm-hmm. them saying stuff like that is perfectly fine because that's the way the character is what is your second problem um i wish i knew more about um madeline and helen's relationship yeah um watching it i realized you know how i do where i like just fill in holes without even thinking about it like i just my brain just does it mm-hmm. like for some reason i had it in my head they were like college roommates or something and then i'm watching it and it's the way they're talking it sounds like they were friends in high school yeah watching it this time i realized i didn't understand like were they ever actually friends were they acquaintances were they enemies that pretended to be close friends like i couldn't even tell if they were people who pretended to be good friends like when i say good friends i mean like like best friends or something like yeah i didn't really understand the nature of their relationship yeah true i wish we knew a little bit more about that i do know that there was an earlier draft uh where god there's so much to find out about this movie about different drafts and different cuts of the movie Mm, i know uh that they they had been friends in college Mm -hmm. but like watching it this is the first time i've ever watched it and i realized it's never actually said that they were friends. No. <laughs> There's nowhere in this movie that they ever actually say they were friends. It's just they are two women who know each other mm-hmm. and have been competitive with each other. But that's all we know. And I want to know just like a little bit more. Like it, And it would be so easy to add that exposition. Like when Helen's introducing Ernest to Madeline or something. Like, yeah. Or when the woman comes in to tell Madeline that Helen's there. Like you can just throw in a line. Like, yeah. oh, we were best friends in high school or something like that. Um, I think when I was younger, I assumed they were women who had used to be. Sorry, they, they were women who <laughs> used to be best friends um, and aren't anymore. But yeah. I have no idea. It, I don't know. Yeah, you don't really get the impression that they were best friends ever. I think they were in the same friends group. Mm-hmm. And then all the other friends sort of fell away from the group, and those two were the only two sort of constants left. 
And yeah. it was to just probably sort of clung to each other because they had this they enjoy hating each other, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a, a frenemies type thing where this is what they know. All they know is they hate each other and they must they must meet up to be bitches to each other. Uh, it just seems like, and it's just a weird sort of um, relationship that they have. What annoys me is that um, thinking that they don't seem to actually be friends. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't seem to be people that actually even want to be in each other's lives. Yeah. Then why does Helen have to give Ernest this test um, to see how he reacts to Madeline? Because she could just, like, never have Madeline around. And then Madeline wouldn't be able to steal him. Exactly. It's... I mean, it's obviously, like, an insecurity with her, which, like, yeah. that goes along with just, you know, like, people who have been cheated on, like, they have trust issues, no matter how good other relationships are. Yeah. Um, that it could just be one of those where, like, no matter what, she's going to be like, would he have left me for Madeline? But it's like, yeah. if you just keep him away from Madeline, don't need to worry about it. I think Helen hates herself. Oh, yeah. 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 And it, the test thing is to see if she can keep a man and, you know, she knows that I think she knows deep down inside that she can't and uh, Madeline's going to steal him. Mm-hmm. But she keeps doing it to herself because she hates herself. She probably hates herself more than she hates Madeline. Well, and hair. she still does. I mean, like, if you think about it, her when she becomes more attractive, conventionally attractive and successful, mm-hmm. her plan isn't to, like, try... Like, my plan would be to, like live my best life and if anything my revenge on Madeline would be to try to make her feel jealous about like how fantastic my life is because Mm -hmm. honestly her showing up with a successful book and like looking the way she did yeah that made Madeline feel terrible that should have been enough but her plan is to kill her and it's like her her big change in her life isn't about making herself happy it's about getting rid of this woman yeah she doesn't care about her she's not thinking about like what she can do to make herself no and her life better because like yeah. Man, and Ernest sucks. What do either of them see in him? I don't think either of the women... I think that's the same for Madeline as well. It's it's like uh, both of them are just trying to outdo each other mm-hmm. and they can't just let it go. And I like the ending because it's Ernest who does. Yeah. Er- Ernest is the one who's like, fuck both of y'all. I'm going to go and live my best life. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go and do what used to won't that used to didn't do. I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna start a family at fifty and just live the best life. And I like that mm-hmm. uh, because that's what the two women should be doing. The two women should be doing that. Yeah, we're gonna live our best life and just forget about this shit. Mm-hmm. But they're just they hate each other that much and hate themselves that much that they just can't stop doing it. Mm-hmm. I think that this movie, we should... You know how everything's getting a prequel? Let's do a prequel for this. Let's do <laughs> Mad in Hell, the high school years. <laughs> Let's do that. I like that their nicknames for each other are Mad in mm-hmm. Hell. Well, and and on I think it was on IMDb, it was pointed out that um, uh, Ernest, Earn, um, Madder in Hell, mm-hmm. um which felt like a little bit of a stretch. That's about a stretch, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny. I, I'm not going to get into the specifics of this because it's stupid. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I have a bar I frequent. Like, when I'm done studying, I go hang out at my bar. And, you know, when you hang out at a bar all the time, you know the regulars. There is a woman at my bar. In her 40s. This is a grown-ass woman. She fucking hates me. Like, like she hates 
hates me. And I'm not going to get into it, but she hates me for something I didn't do, like something she completely made up. She's just crazy. Right. And she's in her 40s, and she go- this has been going on for six months. Mm-hmm. She tells people lies about me and like makes up these stories and literally at one point told a friend uh, that she wouldn't be friends with her anymore if she stayed friends with me. Right. Which that girl, her response was to then invite me to play darts. So that told her. (laughs) But it's like, you know, normally watching this movie, I'd be like, man, these women, like, I hope, I hope women don't act like this. And then I'm thinking Mm. about my experiences with this woman at the bar and I'm like, I know someone who acts exactly like this. And it is like, it makes me sad that there might even be women who would watch this movie and relate to them without realizing it was a bad thing. Yeah. It's so funny. Like I try to, you know, say like a lot of stereotypes about women aren't true. Mm -hmm. Like the catty stereotypes and stuff, because most of the women I know are so supportive of each other and everything, but no, they exist. Yeah. That, that added a different level for me watching it this time is thinking about, thinking about this woman I know that would be exactly like them. Right. Oh, sorry. I just started (laughs) (laughs) daydreaming about that, like trying to imagine us in a shovel fight or something. Yeah. Well, during that shovel fight, um, Goldie Hawn actually got a scar on her face. Yeah, I know. (laughs) This man, last night I was, you know, I finished studying and I went to the bar and I was sitting there and I was like, well, this will be a good time for me to do a little bit of research. The Mm -hmm. IMDb trivia page for this movie. Yeah was so long yeah no it was it was i spent a lot of time reading about death becomes her last night <laughs> yeah same here um apparently that's how i spend my saturday nights is reading about a movie in a bar <laughs> so my second problem is madeline says it has been 12 long years but it's actually been 14 14 <laughs> but she says well, it's been 12 wh- long years what does she say it's been 12 long years about specifically? Since she last saw her. And she last saw her when, oh. she, when she stole uh, Ernest. Okay. I'm assuming it's after the wedding. She hasn't seen her since then. I could forgive that because I think that a lot of people forget. How, I mean, like, I'm somebody who would remember specifically how long something had been. But a lot mm. of people just don't. I'll be like, you know, that was 10 years ago. And they're like, wait, what? I thought that was like seven. No, I get that. But, but uh, we, the viewers, know the exact years, yeah, so it's annoying. We know the exact yeah. years because it says seven years later and another seven years mm-hmm. later. Um, so maybe it's just to show that she just doesn't know when it is, which is fair enough. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, yeah. I couldn't think of any problems, <laughs> any problems <laughs> with this. Uh, so, yeah, that's my second problem. Which <laughs> you, <laughs> was your third? I can't handle this. This is like time travel. Like sometimes when I talk about time travel, I get really upset. Right. Okay. Um, and really confused and really disturbed. Yeah. So they're living forever and they're deteriorating. Mm-hmm. Like that is an. I can't handle that already. And then no, they no, it's horrible. Fall down the stairs and, you know, you see her drumming her fingers. So mm-hmm. and like you see them talking. So the parts are still alive. Like. Could anything happen to them? Like, if you came by with a baseball bat and smashed the remaining pieces, would they still be alive? Like, what happens to them after this? Like, are they stuck in pieces forever? I don't understand. This is like, I'm sorry, this is going to be like a huge Alias spoiler. But (laughs) at the end of Alias, the last episode of Alias, the character of Sloane, the bad guy, he gets, um, like, he finds eternal life. He gets his eternal life, which he's been 
after. But then he gets trapped somewhere forever. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll just be sitting there, like, I'll be at work. I'll be sitting at home petting my cat. I'll be, like, whatever. And all of a sudden, I just start thinking about Sloane. <laughs> stuck by himself with only his mind to keep him company. Mm-hmm. And it freaks me out. I can't handle the idea of eternal life in, like, yeah, a space like that. No, I understand. I, I don't know what happens to these ladies after this. Because they, nobody can, I mean, nobody can put them back together. They're, they're probably just going to end up being heads in jars from now on. I remember when I was younger, I could watch a movie and the movie would end. And that's where the movie ended for me. Yeah, right. Okay. And that's not necessarily how it is anymore. Now I'm like really thinking about like what are things going to be like forever. It's like at the end of um, Sleepless in Seattle, I'm like, well, these two haven't even had a conversation yet. Mm-hmm. Do they live happily? Like, we're supposed to assume they live happily ever after. Yeah. But like, I just started thinking about how like this could go very horribly wrong, especially since she's a stalker. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. That's like the big movie I think of when I think about like what happens next because yeah, people think of it as this big romantic comedy and it's like they didn't meet until the very end. I know, and it's and it's like with this, I'm just like, what happens after this? I it I am more with Ernest. Eternal life sounds terrible to me. Yeah, I I like. I mean, the thing I like about vampires is there is a way to kill them, so you know there's at least a way out. Mm-hmm. But with the eternal life and death becomes her, there doesn't seem to be a way out, and that freaks me out. Yeah, Ernest did the right thing because he was about to die. Mm-hmm. So if he took that potion, he his body would have been broken anyway. He would have been dead, the same as the two ladies. Yeah. So he would just, you know, his body would rot and deteriorate like Helen and Madeline's would. So he did the right thing. Um, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have taken the potion. It also doesn't sound great to um, take the potion and yeah, you look young and everything and you live forever, but like you have to disappear after 10 years. I know. Like what kind of life are you going to be living? Well, I guess it's the same thing with vampires though. Yeah. Like they move town to town and join different high schools. They they could only come back to the same place like after a long amount of time and that just... Man, no, I w- I'd want to just settle down somewhere and be there, I think. I know. I mean, you travel some, but, like, I can't imagine your life just constantly being, like, almost on the run. I I do the whole, like, thinking about movies things after they've ended a lot with horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, sometimes a horror movie will end and it's like, seems like a happy ending, but it's like, okay, but you're going to get arrested for all these dead bodies that lying around. <laughs> um. Because how can you justify all these dead bodies if you're only like one or two people left? Or uh, have you seen uh, the house in Haunted Hill? Is uh, from 1999 and Fabrica Jansen and um, yeah, I th- James Masters is in it at the beginning. It's as been a cameraman. O- oh, I re- I do. Re- <laughs> was it Lisa Loeb there in that yeah, scene? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. That is what I remember from the movie. I haven't yeah. seen it since it came out on VHS. So no. <laughs> Yeah, James Masters and Lisa Loeb's at the, in the beginning. <laughs> I do remember that. That movie ends with um, spoilers, <laughs> but that movie ends with the two survivors stuck outside the house. But the mm-hmm. house is like very, very tall; it's like a tower, mm-hmm. and they're just sort of stuck there. They can't get down, so like they live, but <laughs> they're just gonna die up that fucking place anyway. 
uh, or the thing. The thing is designed for you to think about how it ends. Mm-hmm. Like, stuff like that. It's usually horror <laughs> movies I think about that sort of thing. So then I'll be, say I'm watching Halloween, it's like, at the end, Laurie Strode's, I mean, she's going to have to do a lot of police interviews. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be paperwork. Or, like, even if the killer is caught at the end of something and, and they're mm-hmm. caught alive, it's like, there's going to be a trial. Like, yeah. what? this person isn't necessarily... 100% going to prison. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's... I, when you start thinking about that, it just... I wish I didn't think that way. It kind of ruins it sometimes. I know. It's strange. Um, so, for my final problem, I can't decide between the weird floating nuns <laughs> that just appear out of nowhere mm-hmm. or the really terrible triple take Bruce Willis does when he sees the guns missing. Because... Because... <laughs> <laughs> I I I do like Bruce Willis as a comedy performer, mm-hmm. um, and he's good in this. But I just there's he discovers the guns missing, and he he does like a triple like what what what, and it's like no, no that's a bit much, Bruce. Um, I assume that maybe Robert Zemeckis told him to do that or whatever. But uh, yeah, and the float nuns, what the fuck's that all about? It's like, I read there was something where before he finds Madeline, like, first he finds a dead priest in the morgue, but that doesn't explain why they're floating. No. Why are they floating? No. That's just about, yeah. There are people who have read into, like, they think it's symbolism of, like, her soul being damned or, so, I don't know, there was this whole theory I saw on IMDb, and it, I stopped reading after a minute because it just seemed ridiculous. Yeah. People, people are really looking for some some meaning when it's like, it's so funny, like, there's probably so many theories about things in movies where it's like, no, the explanation is that there was a deleted scene and then they left this one little remnant yeah. in. Um, or they just thought it was funny and then just put mm-hmm. it in and it means nothing. Why did they, why do they leave the deleted scenes in that they, le- like, I get, okay, I get, like, with the Brady Bunch movie, there's a part where, um... Peter, I think it is, says pork chops and applesauce, which is, you know, a big reference from the original show. Yeah. And it's not in the movie. That's the that's my first memory of seeing something in a trailer and it not being in the movie and me being like, I don't understand what is happening because I didn't know about deleted scenes. Um, mm-hmm. That's one thing because that's just a little reference. The stuff that is in this trailer. Yeah. Like the stuff about with like Tracy Ullman and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. why is it there? Like, I just these days we're more savvy like most more people understand that if something's in the trailer it doesn't necessarily mean it's in the movie like you're not as confused you 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 know people have seen dvds and blu-rays they know there's deleted scenes they've Mm -hmm. we read more interviews about the making of things but back in the day it's like what did people think when they would watch a trailer like that and then like would they be like did i fall asleep in the theater like what like i'm just really curious if you watched the trailer for this movie and then went to the theater to see it like, what are your thoughts on this stuff you saw in the trailer that didn't happen? Yeah, that first trailer was just like a, a like a teaser, and it was put together before. It, that's one of those that would just be put in, like cinemas or whatever, maybe like a year or something before the movie's released, or mm-hmm. you know, it's just like a wee teaser. Uh, but then the movie didn't test well with all the Tracy Ullman stuff, mm-hmm. so they changed it. And they deleted her completely. Um, and she's in the trailer twice. Yeah. Because um, we see Bruce Willis saying, 
he's dead the, to this guy who's dead in the bar and she's a bartender she works at this bar mm-hmm. and originally she was to get she was to help Ernest uh, fake his own death and then they two end up getting married at the end of the movie uh, and the second part is where Goldie Hawn was doing all the Ernest is dead everybody's dead and Trace Elman's actually in that part because she's the one mm-hmm. that's going no 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 um so it's weird, but I always remember that. I always remember those parts of that trailer. And then watching the film, it's like, wait a minute. But to, I mean, to cut out an entire character is strange. Yeah. Really. And it happens so often. Like, yeah. Sometimes I just wonder what so many of these movies I love would be like if test screenings weren't a thing. I know. And it, I mean, it may be worse. Like, I really love this movie. So maybe if they left that stuff in, it would it would be worse. I like this ending Mm -hmm. because Ernest isn't a great person to begin with. He, he's quite sort of shallow and he, he dumps someone for for someone else. uh, And, you know, he's just a bit of a dick to begin with, but then he decides that life is worth living Mm -hmm. and actually gets his finger out his arse and does something about it. And, and I like that. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like a redemption for for um for Ernest, uh, and I mean he was the least terrible of the three, but he was still you know a bit of a, <laughs> bit of a shallow mm-hmm. dick dumping Helen, for Madeline. I'll say this: like you, you know, we joke about like when we watch a movie like this where it's hard to find problems. Like, oh, it's a bad pick, but a movie like this leads to more discussion about like the ideas of the film and stuff. And so it's not a bad pick. No. I'm looking at no. the time and I'm just like, oh, we've been going quite Yeah, we're, we're doing quite well for time, yeah. Let's, let's get into positives then. And what's yours? Mine is that um, so these actresses were 43 and 46 when they made this movie. Meryl Streep right. was 43, Goldie Hawn was 46. And I mean, <clears throat> a lot of actresses still have problems getting good roles when they get older um, these days. Although... Mm-hmm. Prestige television has changed that a bit. But like Reese Witherspoon, well, Reese Witherspoon produces her own stuff and creates her own roles for herself. But like, she's someone who's around the same age. Yeah. And she gets good work. Like it's it's a little easier now, even though it's probably still a pretty limited amount of actresses. But mm-hmm. when this movie came out, this is a time where if you're in your 40s, you're not getting a good role you're probably playing somebody's mother or something yeah and i love that this is a movie that gave actresses in their 40s a lot to do it was yeah like i looking it up i was they were older than than i thought they'd be and i was just really impressed because i know even now like actresses will complain about like when they hit their 30s they're they're told they're too old to be like a love interest or something or yeah you know it's hard to get good roles and this movie is showcasing two women who are around the age where you're not supposed to be able to get good film roles and I I really like that. And they're I mean they're good. Like I could I could easily say it's the acting, like we often do, because it's it's very good. And as Bill Rossellini yeah. is very good. But um yeah, I'm just glad these women had these these great roles. I'd have to look it up to be sure, but I feel like this is one of the time in Meryl Streep's career where she's not like now she has stuff every year. She gets nominated for Academy Award almost every year. Um <laughs> but there's been periods where you she just if she is in stuff, it's not as huge. As yeah, when she does it now, yeah, I just like that it's the the middle aged women getting their movie. Yeah, 
With a younger love interest, because it's always the women who are younger. But Bruce Willis was in his 30s. Yeah, yeah. Isabella Rossellini was 39, I think. I read yeah, that. She's 39. The line where she says, uh, How old do you think I look? And she says, 38. And then there's a shocked look on her face. That's because Isabella Rossellini was 39. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and she used a body double for this movie. Yeah. For certain scenes, like coming out of the, and it was, oh, I can't, what was the name of the actress who was a body double? Catherine Bell. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. How is yeah. this information I retain? I learned that yesterday. I don't know who Catherine Bell is. Like, I can't. She's in Jag, and she's in The Worst Witch, which well, ended quite That recently. doesn't mean anything and... to me. I'm just saying, <laughs> there's so much more important stuff I try to remember and can't. No, I know. But I remember that. That's uh, my brain. Some people know who she is, is the thing. She, she had okay. a career of her own after this movie. Um, she got her bum out and showed her bum. And now um, she has a career of her own. But those scenes were actually cut when the movie was released in the UK originally. This oh, movie really? was, yeah, this movie was, well, this movie's quite sort of, it's it's typical 90s comedy where it's quite, it is quite dark. Like, there is some like harsh humour in here sometimes and it is quite sort of, there's a lot of nudity mm-hmm. in this PG-13 movie. Um, but because we didn't have 12 certificates back then, um, it was it was, uh, it was rated... Wait, we did have 12 certificates. Not in home video. Um, but it, it was rated PG, so it was cut. So, like, any shots of Catherine Bell's bum... So Catherine Bell isn't technically in this movie in the original version. Um... But now it's rated 12 and it's fully uncut. Mm-hmm. But you can still buy the PG version on DVD. Weird. Yeah. I was going to do that. I was going to buy the PG version and the 12 version and watch them both to compare. Mm. But I didn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the version on Netflix is 12. So it's uncut. I've never actually watched it, even though I've had it for like 20 years, but I have a copy of Halloween that is the TV version, Mm -hmm. because when they filmed Halloween 2, they went ahead and filmed a bunch of stuff for the TV version, because they obviously, it's a horror movie, they couldn't show everything, so Mm -hmm. like they had to cut out so much from it that they added a bunch in, and I still haven't watched it, I need to watch it, Mm -hmm. and I wish that, I don't understand, like Fast Times, they never put deleted scenes on um, the DVDs or Mm Blu-rays, but the they had to cut stuff out for the TV version, so deleted scenes were put in it. So like that's one of the only movies I own that I've actually watched on TV, the edited, yeah. just so I could see the deleted scenes. Like why not put them on the DVD? I don't I don't understand that. <laughs> but like, and I'm and now I'm wondering how many movies have I watched where they put stuff into it in the TV, and then I'm such a snob now. I'm like, well, I want to watch the real version. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's stuff that I'm missing. Yeah, well, Fast Times is in the Criterion Collection in the UK. It's got its own really? Criterion, cri- yeah, Criterion DVD, well, Blu-ray now. So, yeah, I have a copy of it that Dylan bought me a couple of years ago. That I already have it, but um, it came in a VHS box, and Dylan bought it for me just because he thought I'd think it was cool, which was smart of him. <laughs> so now I have two copies, but um. Yeah, and it's, you know, I was reading about the bad uh, transfer for the Death Becomes Her DVD, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, it was fine when I watched it. Then I realized, oh, yeah, I watched it on Hulu. Like, I got the DVD out because I thought yeah. about I have a DVD player. I didn't have I don't have a Roku hooked up in my office yet. And I was like, well, when I unpack the office, I will just put the movie on so I can watch it then. And so I did have the DVD out, but I ultimately didn't watch it. Yeah. Another thing that was in the trailer is Ernest dragging Madeline backwards up the stairs and she's frozen because she was in the freezer. Yeah. And that's not in the movie. I'd like to have seen that in the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, my positive, I'm going to go with the ending. <laughs> okay. You were talking about the ending earlier. I think the ending is quite, it's dark. And um, I just like it. I just think it's, um, these two women get their comeuppance. Uh, they're kind of screwed now. Uh, you know, I just I just like it. And then their their heads always left the shape of their heads and they're still talking to each other. Um but the best part is the setup of the can of spray, mm-hmm. um, the can of paint, where they can't find it and then that's what causes their downfall because they slip on it. Mm-hmm. I just love it. I just love that ending and Ernest Ernest decides I'm going to live my life. He doesn't have to... He, do, he didn't intend to fake his own death because mm-hmm. he didn't intend to die. Uh, but yeah, no, I really I really liked... I really liked that ending. It, it made me happy, that ending. <laughs> yeah. They said the original ending didn't test well. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird to me because it really doesn't seem that different. It's like they're on vacation somewhere or something and they see Ernest and, and Tracy Ullman and they're like aged and happy. Mm-hmm. And like, even if you would cut her character out, I would assume it would still work. Cause you would just see him with yeah. this woman being happy. And like the ending of both is that he lived a great life and was happier mm-hmm. than these two bitches. But yeah, um, I guess it just didn't test well. And mm-hmm. it's, I, you know, movies like this, I'm just like, if this were released now, we would most likely get to see these things. I would like to see these things, these deleted scenes yeah. and stuff. Like, when I read about them, I want to see them. I don't I don't need them as much for things I saw a lot when I was younger. Um, I remember being really upset when I watched a deleted scene from Home Alone a few years ago, and it was like Uncle Frank pantsing Kevin. Yeah. And I was like, well, now I'm just going to hate him even more, even though it's not in the movie. I'm just going to hate Uncle Frank even more yeah. than I did before. And I already hated him a lot. But I am really curious. Or even just reading the script, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of curious how the whole movie worked with Tracy Ullman. Yeah. Did you see that um, Kevin Klein was the first choice to play I Ernest? did. And I thought that was... I mean, Bruce Willis is great in this movie. Um, yeah. But Kevin Klein, I can see that. I can see that. That would have been great. I'm, what is Kevin Klein doing? I don't know. Where's Kevin Klein? I love Kevin He's Klein. Ha- happily married to Phoebe Cates, so... Yeah. I just imagine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I, I can absolutely see Kevin Klein in this mm-hmm. movie because he has the comedy chops. He definitely does. So I could see him in this movie. But I think Bruce Willis was a good choice yeah. playing against type. I mean, this movie clearly had, like, it went through a lot of iterations. It had a lot of things change, but it's a great movie. Sometimes you hear about all these changes and the movie just ends up worse. Because yeah. Because it got messed with too much. But but this is a very good movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's more of a cult classic and I wish it was a little more mainstream. It's just one of those weird 90s movies. Like, mm-hmm. the 90s had a lot of movies like this that were just, like, taking a chance on something. And they don't... 
they really don't make them like this anymore. There's mm-hmm. just nothing. There's no. I mean, you get weird sort of out the box stuff like um, everything everywhere all at once, mm-hmm. right? Which I watched recently and came to the conclusion that it's fucking brilliant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember you messaged me and you were like, I don't know what I think about this. Yeah, I didn't. I had no. I was watching. I'm like, I don't know. A lot of it doesn't work for me. Well, not a lot of it. Some of it doesn't work for me. There's some of the gags that don't work for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not a huge fan of the whole pixelated penises stuff and all that. It's like, mm. and and the guys getting the dildos up their butts and stuff because that's how the. I don't like hot dog hands. Yeah, and hot dog hands is that's gross. That's just that's a bit much for me. Yeah, there's stuff that just doesn't work in that movie for me. But that movie's got a lot of fucking heart. <laughs> that movie is just so sweet in its own way and the ending is fantastic and I love it um, but that's that's movie was kind of like a throwback to the weird sort of 90s mm-hmm. let's just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, and I think it works and it works in here as well So, um, one thing that's cool about that movie I know that's not the movie we're talking about but Jamie Lee Curtis said because people assume she was wearing a fat suit Mm-hmm. And I'm sure she had some padding in some areas, but she mm-hmm. was like, "That's my stomach. Like that's yeah. me not having to do the shit you have to do as an actress, yeah, to look conventionally attractive." And she yeah. was like, "It was cool because I got to just like let my stomach be my stomach." And I was like, "That's awesome." I assumed the whole thing was just like a fat suit, yeah. Um, but it's just her not having to like it's her being able to relax for a movie, yeah, uh, which sounds amazing. I know. Yeah, I wish we had more weird movies. Like, you know, thinking about it a lot, like, you know, especially recording this podcast, like, thinking about the movies I saw when I was a kid, and then Mm -hmm. thinking about what Xander sees, and it's like, it's so different. It's, I love the big blockbusters, I do, I love a Marvel movie, Mm -hmm. but that's practically all we have, with the exception of things like everything, everywhere, all at once. Even then, those movies that get through, like that, or Parasite, those aren't necessarily movies that, like, my kid's gonna like. No. You know, like they're they're usually usually rated R, they're more adult, um, or they just have deeper themes that I think a kid just wouldn't really, you know, get. Yeah, PG thirteen was much bigger when I was a kid. Yeah, but I think that I think this kind of movie, like, I think Death Becomes Up, is that though. I mm-hmm. think this is one of those movies that a lot of kids wouldn't get because of the deeper themes and meanings. But it's it's still enjoyable in like. You know, her shooting a woman and the shovel fights. Yeah. And, like, I still enjoyed it. I just didn't totally get the themes. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. everything, everywhere, all at once, I don't even know how my child would react no. to that. And there were no dildos in Death Becomes Her, which also helps. That does help. But but then, I don't know. My kid, like, he wants to watch Better Call Saul. So, I don't know. <laughs> Why does he want to watch Better Call Saul? Memes. Ah, uh, fair enough. It's like these things pop up in memes. Plus, like... He has a friend. He is nine years old. He has a friend. She's 10, but she just turned 10. Uh, she watches Breaking Bad. Really? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. And I told him, I told him if you wanted to watch it, I'd have to watch it with you because there's a lot that needs to be explained. And then Dylan was like, no, he can't watch Breaking Bad. <laughs> and it's, I, I never, I never thought I would be the more relaxed parent, but I just like, I just keep <laughs> thinking about the things I watched when I was a kid. And I was like, I'm like, I don't care. What TV shows did you watch as a kid that were like Breaking Bad? Though? There were no TV shows like that. Exactly. Like when I was growing up, I watched the A Team, which is one of the <laughs> tamest things 
Well, I mean, it's violent, but it's still tame as fuck. To be fair, I've only seen Breaking Bad once, so there's probably a lot I'm forgetting. Like, I told him- It's about drugs, Jen. I know, I know. (laughs) But I I told him, like, my biggest problem with you watching it is I just don't think you'd understand. Like, I just don't think you'd enjoy it. Like, you wouldn't understand a lot of it. Yeah. But we were like, you know, you want to watch Better Call Saul, go for it. Like, you're just going to find it boring. I only saw a couple episodes, but I can't imagine he'll find that interesting. But it's like- Yeah. These these kids, they're, they're watching some shit, man. Crazy. And I don't know how much they're getting. Like, I watched Bob's Burgers with him, and I was like, what a dirty show. <laughs> but he's not going to get – I had to keep reminding myself he's not going to get this. He's not going to get this. But then I was also like, are we going to have to have some conversations? Because, like, the at one point – I think it was in the first episode they used the word pedophile. And I'm like, is this kid going to ask me what a pedophile is? And then I'm going to have to talk to him about – Yeah. Which, like, I knew about it when I was even younger than him. But still, it's awkward conversations. And there's just there's just not stuff like this where it's like I don't think I had to ask my like I didn't ask about flaccid like I didn't have anything I I asked my parents about with this movie mm-hmm. I just kind of enjoyed the movie so um. yeah right I have notes brief notes Mary Ellen Trainer's in this mm-hmm. we saw her last in um, Monster Squad last time yeah and she's in this as well because. Uh, I don't know. I think she was married to Robert Zemeckis. She was. She was married to him for yeah. like 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she was in some of his movies. This movie was actually a massive hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is, you know, uh, I'm thinking it's like more sort of cult now. Mm-hmm. It was actually a massive hit because it was, it took $149 million, um, and the budget was only 55 mm-hmm. uh, Which is brilliant. That's, that's like almost three times as much as budget. Which is fantastic to think. I it's so funny. Sometimes I wish that like award shows, like like I wish the Academy Awards, they would do the Academy Awards uh, for the movies twenty years after they came out, because you'll have a movie like The Artist that did really well and it won Best Picture, and like whoever talks about The Artist, right? Mm-hmm. Death Becomes Her. That's like a cult movie. That's one that's even if it's not huge, like it's stuck around. Like people people yeah. do talk about it. Doing my research, like tons of articles get written about it, mm-hmm. and it. Box office, like, in awards, it doesn't matter. Like, Fight Club, bombed. Mm-hmm. Almost Famous, bombed. Mm-hmm. These are two movies that have stood the test of time. And it's just kind of funny to me, because, like, Death Becomes Her. I was actually surprised it did well, because I was like, I just assumed it was one of those movies that bombed and then became a cult classic. I know. And it's it's so funny, like, box office, I understand why it matters at the time. Like, it's, it's a business. They want to get yeah. their money back. But, like, longevity is interesting to me. Like, where these movies end up years later in our minds. Yeah. Cisco and Ebert both gave this movie thumbs down. I saw that. I yeah. saw that. I don't think me and uh, Siskel and Ebert would have uh, hung out a lot. No. There's a line in this movie that uh, Madeline says to Ernest and is, do you know what they do to soft, bald, overweight Republicans in prison? <laughs> it's twenty twenty two, and we're still waiting to find that out. What actually happens to <laughs> soft? Oh my god! So you know, we're, maybe we'll never know, but you know, we're hoping. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> and it's all fun and games until you are like, oh wait, it's a rape joke. Yeah, prison like. I remember the day somebody pointed out, and I don't. It should have occurred to me earlier. I'm I'm a dummy, but the day that it was pointed out to me, like pr- prison rape jokes are rape jokes, so they're not funny. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, and now yeah, I have to stop myself sometimes from correcting people because like 
sometimes you get tired of being the downer. Like, I know it's important to call things out and call people's attention to when things are wrong, but like, it's kind of like when somebody talks about some actor or something they like, and I open mm. my mouth to say, well, you know what they did to women or something like that. And then it's like, no, just let them in, let them have their fun. I, I don't have the energy for this to be, to, to be a downer. Next time, uh, we are going to do a very short movie, so that's good for Jen. We're doing Dumbo from 1941. Well, and since we were supposed to record two last week and we didn't, I've already watched like 15 yeah. minutes of it. Same here. I did. I watched the beginning of Dumbo, yeah. And then I couldn't record because my mental health was not great. So, um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're doing Dumbo next week. And it's only an hour long. Woo! <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, but then I don't know what Jen's going to pick for the time after that. I don't we'll either. Be exciting. I don't yeah. either. It's probably something from the 90s. Anyway. <laughs> well, now I have to pick something earlier. Just pick whatever you want to pick. I honestly don't <laughs> mind. I really enjoyed watching Death Becomes Her again. That was that was fun. Uh, so if you want to follow the podcast online, it's at Drop the Pilot Pod. At ShiftyB is my personal Twitter. ShiftyBench.co.uk is the website. Contact at ShiftyBench.co.uk is the email address. Where can people follow you online, Jen? I'm at Pilot Inspectors on Twitter. Excellent. So thank you all for listening. I'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye.